Hey, let's get in, let's, uh, where you're sitting, just open up your palms like this. And why don't you just repeat after me? Let's pray this. Father, thank you that I am your son slash daughter. <laughs> I receive that I am a co-heir with Christ. I receive that I have been entrusted with much. I receive that I am being empowered with the Holy Spirit to be all that you have called me to be and to do all that you are calling me to do. Give me joy. Give me peace. Give me love. Give me faith today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want you to know, as um, you'll be glad to know, that I got my oil changed this week. And you too. Good. (laughs) I I don't know how overdue you were, whoever just said that, but I was about 3,000 miles overdue, which, you know, actually really isn't overdue. They just, it's a whole scam anyways. And so I decided to reach for Entrepreneur Magazine while I was waiting. I decided not to reach for GQ because I already felt I'm fly enough. I'm hip enough. So, all right. So, and anyways, in Entrepreneur Magazine, there's a great little article. And um, I've forgotten, you know, there are several that I read, so I actually forget which one exactly it was. But a principle was revealed. And the principle was this. It works in business. It also works in war. Uh, It works in all sorts of competitive situations. But the principle is, if you are the favorite, in other words, if you're favored to win or you have the advantage, then what you want to do is you want to keep your playing field as simple as possible so that whatever that advantage is or whatever that strength is, you can win with it. On the flip side, so if you're kind of the entrepreneur entering into uh, business or, um, uh, you know, if if you're the one who's the underdog, then what you want to do is you want to make your playing field more complex so that the, the favorite can't just come at you with their strength, but you complicate the situation so that uh, their, their strength is not as important or their advantage isn't as important. So example would be like guerrilla warfare. The conventional army might have all this strength and all this power, but the underdog, if they use guerrilla warfare to complicate the situation, they can create an advantage. And that just struck me. And I thought, isn't that exactly what the enemy, our enemy, the adversary, the devil does to us, right? We have all the advantage. We have the power of Christ. We have the living God who lives inside us. We have our redemption, our salvation. It's very simple. But the devil comes and he just comes to complicate the playing field. It was such a concern that Paul said this to the Corinthians. He said, I'm afraid, this is 2 Corinthians 11. He said, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And actually, that word sincere in Greek is akin to singleness or um, focus, right? So that was Paul's concern for the Corinthians. And also, I thought about Jesus, and I thought about his parable of the sower and the seed. You know, the, the seed gets thrown on four areas, right? It gets thrown on the path, it, th- it gets thrown on rocky soil, on thorns, and on good soil. And it's that third one, the, the seeds that are sown in, on, into thorny soil, where it says, um, Jesus said when he was explaining the parable, he said, some of it's thrown among thorns, and they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, 
and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. That's the Mark version. It proves unfruitful. In the Luke 8 version, it says the fruit does not mature. So again, it's like we, our life gets complicated by thorns, and that's just one of the plans of the enemy to choke out the fruitfulness, to choke out our maturity. So as we continue in our Lenten series here, the Entrusted, Empowered series as we propel towards Easter, we know that God is entrusting us as his co-laborers to bring about his kingdom, his rule, and his reign on the earth. We know that he is empowering us with the gifts he's given us in the natural, plus with the gifts of the Holy Spirit to get the job done. As we mentioned last week, he's also relating to us not merely as servants, But he's relating to us as sons and daughters. He's inviting us into deep relationship with him to get the thing done. But one of the ways that the enemy wants to interrupt that connection of sonship, one of the ways he wants to disempower us, isolate us, so you don't feel as entrusted and empowered as we are, is to particularly complicate the playing field with financial debt, with the burden of financial debt. It's a huge part of our culture. I just read in Consumer Reports magazine, uh, the organization behind Consumer Reports is called Consumer Union, and they're about to do kind of a big research push on how student debt in particular is affecting us. I'm sure that affects no one here, but (laughs) try that next week when all the students are here. But actually, Kelsey and I fall right into a statistic, and one of the statistics they're giving is that home ownership is becoming less and less possible because the 20s and 30s and even 40s are so burdened by student debt that we are less and less able to purchase homes. So home sales are going down, and they're linking it directly to the amount of student debt that we have. So quite simply, what is God's heart concerning debt? Can we just look at the word together? And I have the general sense, you know, if you're like me, I sat in my... uh, my finance for dummies class as a senior in college, kind of the finance class for all the non-business people. You know, I saw the charts of like, don't get in debt, chart, you know. Start saving your 25 because chart, you know. The difference between saving at 25 and 35 is, you know, millions and, and uh, all the good stuff. So we have this general idea that perhaps debt isn't the best thing for us. But what does the word say? Can we just look at it together and let the word inform us and us have a father-son or father-daughter conversation with our father about what our debt picture looks like? Can we do that together? Amen. Are we going to get free today? Let's get happy. (laughs) Let's get the, the word of the Lord and let's get unburdened as we look at this together. Amen. What does the Bible say about debt? Let's let's look at that. And um, no one cringe in their in their chairs because God loves you. He's for you. And and he also loves you. I'll just say it again. Okay, we're going to go a little we're kind of going to go backwards chronologically, because in this case, uh, as we look at the word, I just feel like it gets better and better as we get earlier, earlier in time. So let's start with Romans 13. This is uh, Paul, the apostle. So this is a little bit after Jesus's time. And Paul, incredible pastoral heart and uh, not only a church planter, uh, not only very prophetic, but he cares about his people. In this case, we're hearing his thoughts about a people that he had not yet met, but he was eager to meet. He was eager to get to the church at Rome. It wasn't a church that he had planted, but it was a church that he wanted to visit. And actually, speaking of finances, he wanted to have some not merely financial interaction with them, but he was hoping that they could help propel him to his further goal, which is to get to what is present-day Spain and France to share the gospel. So it's in the midst of that he realizes 
He's writing to this church, and they're living in a society not that unlike our own, in that it's totally pluralistic, and frankly, it's pretty hostile to the gospel. And it's in this vein that we get this. This is Romans 13, and I'll start in 7. Pay to all what is owed to them. Okay, guys, you believers living in this pluralistic society uh, with some hostility towards Christianity. And that's really an understatement. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Let me get verse 8. Owe no one anything. (laughs) Okay, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And so I kind of put an equation there together in my own thinking here. And I think, man, the great deal about not being in debt is it sets us free to love others. The great thing about paying our debts, whether they are taxes or respect or honor or our financial obligations, is it opens up a flow for the love of God. I want to give you a little example. It's not a financial example, but I believe it applies. And it just happened to me this Thursday. This Thursday, I had the privilege of giving an invocation at a fundraising banquet for the Y here in Beverly. And it's their annual campaign they do. And so, you know, I thought, this is great. I get to give an invocation. And usually the invocations of these things are kind of like someone will just share a little story, you know, but they're, they're rarely actually invoking or inviting God's presence, which is what an invocation is. So I thought, Lord, thank you for this little slice of heaven that I can bring down to earth. I don't want to be burdensome. I do want to be invited back again someday, but I also would like to just crack open the heavens a little. And so I just said, okay, what are the things about the why that I really enjoy? that I think they're really onto something and that really share the heart of God. And those two things that I came with, they really are inclusive. And I know that sometimes we feel like there are other factions who've hijacked that word, but God's inclusive. If you've noticed Jesus, if you read the Gospels, Jesus is incredibly inclusive. And the other thing was that they're very empowering. And Jesus is very empowering. So I just said that. I said, before I began my invocation, I said, you know what's great about the why? They're very inclusive and they're very empowering. And then I prayed my little invocation, and I quoted Micah 6, 8. said, you know, the Y is an organization that um, uh, <laughs> uh, loves justice. Uh, is that right? Uh, no, sorry. Uh, X, uh, no, I, I, had it, I had it ready for Thursday. Love, mercy. Uh, say it again. Yeah. Is it seek? I forget. Okay. Seek justice, loves mercy, and walks humbly with their God. Thank you. Good. So I was good to get humble pie. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, and so I prayed, good, amen, you know, it's kind of like people don't always know how to respond. Uh, so, sat down, had the breakfast, went on, and then what was great was, you know, in any crowd of, say, 100 people, God's working on some people, and other people, not much going on, but what was great was this little cluster of people who afterwards, they came up and said, we want to come to your church, we want to come to your church, tell us when we go, when's Easter, blah, blah, all this. And the point being, and so I just want to bring this all back to the point here, that um, A, I was really glad because I knew the little heaven had come to earth because people don't have words for it. They don't have vocabulary. When presence comes, when authority comes, when life comes, they don't have words for it, but they want more of it. And so the principle there was I paid the respect and honor where it was due, in this case to the why, and that set, there was something free for love to happen. 
And I believe that same principle works in finances. That if you pay what you owe, you know what I'm saying? If you, if you pay what you owe, then there's a, a channel for love and for the kingdom to come. And that's just an important thing to hold on to. Okay? Amen. Okay, moving back chronologically. Let's go to the wisdom literature. The wisdom literature. We're looking at Proverbs and Psalms here. And the great thing about the wisdom literature is it's really wise. It's so helpful. Right? <laughs> so let's look first at Psalm 37. Now, Psalm 37, um, just so you know, it's kind of Proverbs masquerading as a psalm. I don't know if you've, if you've noticed that, but, you know, it has kind of these little, these two liners, you know, two verses that go together, it goes to another subject. So if you're like me, and obviously after this incredible series we did on Heart Healthy, you're in the Psalms every day from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., and you're weeping with the Lord every morning, sharing your heart, and then you're going through the Psalms, and you get to Psalm 37, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, like when you're driving stick shift, and all of a sudden you go into first, and it's like, well, that's because Psalm 37 is Proverbs, which is masquerading as a psalm. I just need to tell you that. So we get this. In Psalm 37, we get this. It says, The wicked borrows, but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. A little proverb there, although it's in Psalms. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. So, hey, first thing is, I'm not sure where you're at with paying back your debts, but if you're not paying back your debt, it's, it's just a little wicked, okay? <laughs> All right? So, Lord, help me. I don't want to be wicked. I want to pay back. And then the righteous, where God wants to bring us to, is the place of, of, of giving. And actually, if I can just add my little, maybe, Hubacher Amplified version, the generous gives and gives without any expectation of return. Isn't that the heart of God? Isn't that how God works? The righteous gives and gives without any expectation of return. Want to see how this works? Let's get some training school students up here. Tori, come on up. I got something for you. I got a Starbucks gift card for you and one for you to give away. Okay, go. Go for it. Give it away right here. Who else? Where's Anders? Is Anders here? Anders, come on up. You're in the training school. We're going to give them the first dibs at being generous. All right? There's one for you. Give that one away. Give that other one away. Thank you. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's... <laughs> It's, yeah, how holy are you? <laughs> okay. Who else? Where's Colin? Is Colin here? Colin? He's a training school student. There he is. Come on. Be generous. Keep one. Give one away. There we go. Awesome. David Connectly, come on up. I'm going to let you keep this $20 Stop and Shop gift card, but can you give away the $50 Market Basket card, please? You can give it to your, someone in your family. Yes, you may. <laughs> All right. Awesome. John Prickett, give this Target gift card away. There you go. Target. Everyone loves Target. <laughs> okay. The wicked borrows, does not pay back, but the righteous gives. They give generously, and they do without any expectation of return. Okay. Proverbs 22.11, still in the wisdom literature here. Proverbs 22.11 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the, borrow is, the borrower is the slave of the lender. Oops. Did we get, maybe I got the wrong one. Uh, <laughs> sorry. And, uh, anyone, anyone on your smartphone get us to? I won't rebuke you for texting. Find, find, the right, find the right reference here. It's the borrower is the slave of the lender. And we'll get it corrected here. The borrower is the slave of the lender. 
Okay, again, remember that the wisdom literature is just wise. It's just the truth that the borrower is the slave to the lender, okay? <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. Proverbs 22, 7, four verses earlier. The borrower is the slave to the lender. Okay, I don't do this often, but I think, oh, a, mm, gosh, maybe it was mid-fall. Kelsey and I took a little trip up to Kittery, Maine, where the outlets are. I was in the Gap outlet. And I don't usually fall prey to this, but I was like, yes, I will sign up for the Gap credit card because of blah, blah, blah. You know, I was like, we are, we got, you know, we, I'd gotten down the price this much, and I was like, oh, let's just get down a little more. I'll take the Gap credit card. So, of course, I signed up for the Gap credit card, feeling the tentacles of hell and wrapping my soul as I was doing it. I knew what was going to happen. And wouldn't you know, of course, it's one of the credit card payments that I missed. And just for me, I mean, the balance was like $24, right? I was so proud of myself, 24 But you miss once, and guess what? I ended up paying before I closed that account. Again, wasting it like an hour of my time some morning at the office to close this account. I paid something like $120 because of missing, I mean, my fault, totally my fault. But you miss the payment, they nail you with the fee, and boom, boom, boom. And there's $100 that we could have had for groceries, that we could have given away to Elizabeth Gilman so she'd go to India. And we're just saying, here, Chase, Chase, just take it away. <laughs> Amen. Lord, all you credit card companies in Delaware, let Delaware become an incredibly wealthy state. Just take all my money. Right? Because the borrower is always a slave to the lender. That's just the truth. You don't feel bad about yourself, right? College debt, mortgage. But the reality is you're just a slave to the lender. Okay? Proverbs is just true. All right? Okay. Let's just move a little bit further uh, back chronologically. And this is the one that actually gets me really pumped. And it's Deuteronomy 15. I know this one's incorrect in your purple sheet. It's actually Deuteronomy 15, not 16. So Deuteronomy 15. Let's start in the beginning, verse 1 of Deuteronomy 15. Remember that this is uh, Moses. The people are about to enter the promised land. He's kind of reviewing everything for them. And, man, God really did think of everything for these guys, including economic stuff. And listen to this uh, in Deuteronomy 15, 1 through 6. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release. Man, I want to call up Chase Credit Card and see if they would do this. And this is the manner of the release. I want to call up the four companies that we're paying for our student loans between me and Kelsey and say, Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor, his brother, because the Lord's release has been proclaimed. Imagine how awesome our economy would be if every seven years. I don't know. Okay. Of a foreigner, you may exact it. We won't get into that right now. But whatever of yours is with your brother, you sh- you shall your hand shall release. But there will be no poor among you. This is key. But there will be no poor among you. Isn't this great? For the Lord will bless you in the land. That the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God. Being careful to do all this commandment that I commend you today. Verse 6. For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. Now, I want to give us a picture there of, I believe, of what the heart is behind this. And when you think of, so this is at the beginning of them them walking into the land here. And at what point in the kingdom of Israel do you think 
was the apex? Under whose reign would you say things were humming and that the kingdom was the most closest to God's intentional plan? David, I might say, even one more after that. Yeah, maybe it really hit its apex at Solomon. Solomon, man, in that community, Israel under Solomon's leadership, things were going well, right? Because a lot of these things they were doing. And who showed up at Solomon's doorstep to find out what is going on here? How is it that you guys are functioning so well? How is this culture so healthy? How are you so organized? Yeah, didn't kings and rulers and leaders come by on their own accord? No one told them to go there, but they just came to Solomon to see what is going on here. And I believe that that scripture, if you don't mind, let's put, if we can put verse 6 back up on there. That's what was happening. So when we think of the rule, we're not talking about uh, ruling so as to harm others, but the rule that's like, wow, people are coming to see because things are going so well. Okay, let's go to verse 6, yeah. Ah, okay, sorry, Deuteronomy, it's, it's, it's chapter 16, or sorry, it's chapter 15, chapter 15, verse 6. Maybe we can find that. I'll, let me read it for us. Chapter 15, verse 6 says, the, the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow, because the borrower is the slave of the lender. And you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. And again, to get the heart of the thing, Solomon and all his splendor. People are coming to see what's going on. You guys are doing it so well. That's the heart of what we're trying to do here. When we're talking about debt, and you're asking all your questions, right? You're going, oh, what about mortgage? You know, what about my car payments? And what are my school debt? And yes, those are all really important questions. I think the Bible is really helpful for us and to us. But as all those questions are, are running through your mind, the thing I want to say is when God gets a hold of a people, and as a people, we start to pay down our debt. As a people, we start to live free from financial obligations and we get more and more free. This is what God wants to do. God wants to come and visit this house with so much of his presence that people say, man, how do you do life well? Well, we get marriages that are healthy. Well, we raise our children well. Well, we also don't get ourselves up to our eyeballs in debt that we'll never be able to pay back. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about principle and I'm talking about that you're a son or a daughter so that you can have this conversation with the Lord about your particular situation. Amen? Amen. Okay. And I'm not saying that they're um, not complicated situations. And any one of you with any business background will say, but it's common practice to borrow in order to earn money. And I get it. But again, I'll just let Proverbs 22.7 stand, which is the borrower is still just a slave to the lender. Okay? And we need to just wrestle through that in our day to day. Okay, at this point, I just want to walk through briefly before we uh, invite Jen and the team to come back up. So how do I get out? How do I start moving out of debt? And to this, I just uh, borrow liberally from crown.org, okay, Crown, Crown Financial Ministries, and they give five great steps. And I'll just introduce them to you, and then you can uh, get more familiar with them on your own by visiting the website. The first is this, transfer of ownership. Okay, it's not on the screen. It's not going to show up on your purple sheet. Just write these down if you're so compelled. How do you start moving out of debt? How do you start getting yourself out of the, under the slavery of the lender? First one is transfer of ownership, meaning the first step is a heart step saying, God, everything I am, everything I make, all of my earning potential and everything belongs to you. Now, that's 
interesting, isn't it? Because this whole series, we're talking about you being entrusted and empowered. And it's true. God has given you. Psalm 8 indicates, as well as Genesis 1 and 2, they indicate how much authority you've been given. God's given you tremendous authority. And yet one of the best things you can do with all that authority, first thing is say, God, I'm all yours, including my finances. I'm not going to negotiate with you anymore. You really be king of my of my life, including my checkbook. Amen? Okay? So first thing is that transfer ownership. Second thing, we'll pull out the big guns next week because Brian's going to preach on this one. But the second thing is you give the Lord his part, right? And we're going to have that discussion on the tithe next week. So I'll let, let that hang for next week, get you on the edge of your seat. You give the Lord his part. The third thing is you stop the bleeding and you stop borrowing, okay? If at all possible, stop borrowing. In other words, stop using your credit card uh, stop using credit to, to pay, but just try to pay your, what you're paying from, from cash or from your debit card. You know, in, in Europe, they don't even do checks anymore. They just do the, the cards, uh, debit card with the little, it's called a puce. What's it called? It's a little, uh, in French, it's the puce. In, the, in English, it's a little chip. There we go. That little chip, they just have more secure debit cards, is what I'm saying. So, what's that? Yeah, thank you. Okay. So, uh, anyways. Um, no more borrowing, stop the bleeding, okay? Fourth thing is you have to develop a realistic budget, which means you've got to get a hold of what you actually spend. Sometimes our first step is taking a whole month to figure out where is all my money going. Wow, I actually am at Chipotle every other day. There's $1,000 every month at Chipotle from the Hubachers. Hmm, maybe we can stop that. We're going there this afternoon. It'll be fun. <clears throat> In our defense, they actually often give us a free meal <laughs> because we're there so much. Okay, so... All right. <laughs> and then the fifth thing is you want to retire the debt. In other words, start with whatever has the largest interest rate, which is usually the credit card thing, but pay off the debts that are um, killing you the most, biggest interest rates, or also the one that is the smallest one. If you want to get that one, pay off the smallest debt uh, balance as well. All right, so just some practicals. Let Crown help you. Uh, and um, remember, we want to move from debt to delight. The, the picture I really want to leave us with is Israel and its heyday. Israel, Solomon, things were going so well in there that people came, right? And that's what God's wanted to do in our midst. God's wanted to have us live life so well that people are coming to us saying, what is with you guys? Why are you guys so free? Well, because we obey, you know, and because we receive the love of God. Because we're, asked, we're, we're behaving as sons and daughters. Jenna, come on up. And I want to give four specific invitations right now. <clears throat> and believe me, I, I realize that we've just like started massive conversations. I, I hope that you can get to a faith group this week so you can continue on the specifics. You know, what do I do with this or that situation? Uh, please uh, process with some people um, because we want you to be heading towards the word and towards one another. Don't do what the devil wants you to do, which is to isolate, pull back and get condemned. Okay. That's what he always does, right? Okay, so uh, a couple of responses. The first is, uh, one, one, another parable that comes to mind here is Luke 15, the prodigal son. Some of you may be out there feeling like, I've just totally blown it, you know? I have so much debt. I have school debt and car debt and credit card debt and boo, 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 boo. And you're just thinking, I've totally blown it. Well, let's look to Luke 15. Let's look to the prodigal son. And the invitation from the Father is just, please come back. I know you've squandered this, that, and the other. And I'm not saying if you have those debts, that's, you're a squanderer. I mean, it really is between you and the Lord to figure that out. 
But just hear the, the, the heart of God is, come back. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. And let's talk this thing out. Here are the four invitations I want to give. And I'm going to invite Beth to help coordinate some prayer teams for us. The first is, if that first step of the Crown Financial Ministries thing has got your has gripped you, like you need to transfer ownership, you've never really said to the Lord, here's my checkbook, here's my bank book, please have me and have all of me, then just settle that with the Lord this morning. Say, God, it's all yours. That's the first one. The second one is, if you are just gripped, you know, even in this conversation, if you find yourself gripped by anxiety, fear, or shame, let the Lord break that off your back in Jesus' name. He loves you. He's for you. And nothing is hopeless. I don't care if you're in the six digits of your debt. God can help you. Third thing is, is if, you're about, if you have a big financial decision, you're thinking, should I buy that car? Or should we buy the house? You know, what, how much mortgage should we take on, etc.? Man, then please just come and let the Lord speak to you in that situation. He wants to speak to you. And finally, I would say, if you find yourself in a position of generosity, if you find yourself in a place where you can say, Lord, I can help here, then I would just, as you see different people responding here, you say, hey, maybe God will highlight a person who's responding right now. And God, will, God can speak to you. Hey, maybe I can, I can offer $5,000 to this couple to see them get out of their school debt. I can offer $10,000 to this person so they get out of their credit card debt. Just, it's amazing what God can do in the community. And I just wouldn't want to put any limits on what God wants to do as we get hilarious with our giving and our helping so that we see that picture that we had under Solomon come 10 times better here in the, in the new covenant. Amen?